Welcome to the Politics and Bros podcast. This is episode 11. It is February 26, 2020. Uh, I believe, Howell, are you with me? Woo, woo. Yeah, I'm here. What's going on? <laughs> what's, you know. the, what's the word? Uh, I was supposed to be in Springfield this week, but the hearing that I was going to go down for got canceled, thank God. But it's happening next week, so they just kind of delayed my pain. Cool. Yeah. Um, well. Crazy, crazy state legislatures. Jobs. Life. It's all, it's all too much, isn't it? It is too much, but we've got yeah. plenty to talk about today. So um, yeah. I think we should just go ahead and dive in. We've got a, a rough outline of what we want to go for, but um, uh, we've we've discussed that this is going to be kind of an almost a theme uh, of of just not only the presidential campaign, but also but mostly about Bernie because he is now the undisputed mm-hmm. front runner in the um, Democratic primary to become the president of the United States. Um, but yep. we'll get do some news of the day first, and we should just start it off with the South Carolina primary debate happened yesterday. Uh, South Carolina primary is on Saturday, and then Super Tuesday is next Tuesday. Um, yeah. So there's a lot happening. So yeah, you said uh, you, you watch. You, you yeah. said you watched the the debate. I I did not watch. I read a little bit about it. Um, it sounded like a, a just an all around hashtag shit show. Yeah, I I watched about. I'd say I watched probably about a third of it because that's as much as I could stand. Um, mm-hmm. it was, it seemed like it was still a pretty big pile on, on Bloomberg, but then of course everybody was going after Bernie because, uh, you know, he won Nevada. So he's been kind of declared definitely the front runner going into, into South Carolina. Um, but, what, um, what didn't you but, like about it? You said, um, was it, cause I, it sounded like it was just what, from what I read, it was, it was poorly moderated. The format was mm-hmm. bad. It was a bunch of people talking yeah. over each other. I heard some good sound bites, but I'm just wondering what uh, what you um, what made you upset watching it. Well, it, it, I think it's really that it was the format and the fact that Nora mm. O'Donnell, who was moderating this one, she let it get away from her, and they were just talking over each other. They were trying to cut each other off. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really funny because I, you know I told you before this like Tom Steyer Steyer who's uh, he's in third place in South Carolina on that debate stage though it was like a it was like an eighteen year old freshman walked into a class that he never registered for and was too embarrassed to walk back out because <laughs> he he just seemed lost the whole time like just a little if kid kind of looking around like where am I and if I just stand here pretend like I know what I'm doing no maybe nobody will mm-hmm. notice type thing yeah exactly. <laughs> And then you have uh, Elizabeth Warren, who who is clearly trying to be somebody's VP nom- nominee. Um, she was making the obligatory, you know, I'll be the best president. I would be better than Bernie. That he, she said a lot of that, but she kept on talking about we need to come together. We need to. We're all Democrats and trying to play this like unity card almost. Uh-huh. And it was pretty transparent that she was trying to get on, remain on everybody's good side as much as she could. It's, um, it- but um. Can yeah. you hear my daughter in the background? Can you hear Olivia in the oh, background? She want to join the pod? <laughs> I don't know who she's talking to. I don't know why she's awake. Um, so the, the the thing that struck me about the whole thing was like I heard some clips this morning as I was listening to the news, and I heard um, you know Bernie rambling and Bloomberg sounding like a New Yorker, and then I hear Buttigieg get on and be like, you know. If you think the last three years have been divisive for this country, um, it's like imagine what the next, uh, you know, five months are going to be 
if it's Bernie versus Trump. And it was just such a like, just a matter of fact statement that rang really true to me. Like to me, he just always sounds like the most um, kind of like measured and, yeah. and like reasonable uh, responses. And he, he doesn't, he's like kind of unflappable. Um, and I, I don't, I just, I don't, I don't get all the hate for him. I mean, I, you know, I, I feel like it's people just hating on like, the the valedictorian or something but you know it's is it is it born is it born out of out of um jealousy or you know like it just always strikes me that he's he just seems so like like i just know if he was like given the job he he may not be qualified for it but he would he would like he's smart enough to figure it out and do 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 a good job so i don't know it just strikes me that like how how obvious it is that like there's like a a candidate there that is just like pretty normal and measured and like a normal person and a good guy and like has overcome adversity and just like, but it's a, the, the, the parties have become these purity tests and like, you know, it's, it's, it's just, I don't know, it, it all that, this is one reason I don't even watch these debates is because it's like, yeah, I, it's frustrating for me um, because it just seems like some obvious things get overlooked. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think, I think you're right. He's the only, he's the only one that's kind of being an adult in the room. I mean, even, even Joe Biden has kind of gotten down in the muck with, with Sanders and Warren and, and Bloomberg and even to a yeah. certain extent, Klobuchar, who I don't even understand why Klobuchar is still in this thing. Um, she's done nothing. Maybe she wants to be a VP in Iowa. I, she, I think she does. I honestly think she yeah. does. Um, and it's not that she's, it's not that she's necessarily bad, a bad candidate. It's just that she's not catching on. She's not raising money. She's not, you know, after Iowa, she really kind of peaked and that was really yeah. it for her. I mean, you can make yeah. that argument for a couple of these candidates, but most certainly for her. Um, yeah. but it's interesting because Joe Biden was polling 18 points ahead, um, of Bernie. And then after all this, he's now about 11 points ahead. So he's still leading in South Carolina. Sanders yeah. is in second. Like I said, Stiers and in, in third and Warren in fourth and Buttigieg after that. But, um, Wait, know, is, I don't know. Is it, is it this Saturday? Is it, it's is this the Saturday, you know, Saturday. and the big and one was Super Jimmy, Tuesday. And you know, the Super Tuesday. Yeah. That was right yeah. after that. But the big, the big endorsement of South Carolina was uh Congressman Jim Clyburn, you know, African American. Right. He's all that who's uh, uh, third in seniority in the House uh, Democratic Caucus, um, yeah. endorsed Biden. And so that, I think that's going to help a lot. And I think, honestly, Biden's been leading the whole time in South Carolina, especially among mm-hmm. the African-American vote. Um, but uh, yeah. I guess we'll see. I think at this point, it's about honest. like, yeah, it's about like um, over overperforming versus what, you know, you're expected to do at this point to kind of garner that momentum to stay in the race. and. Um, I, I don't know. Well, I mean, I think as, as we mentioned at the top, like this episode's about Bernie. So we, we all kind of think Bernie's gonna, gonna be the guy here. Um, but I guess there's still, still some, we can talk about it when we get to Bernie, if, how he wins the nomination, if he can't win the nomination, but, um, yeah. Well, there's still a case to be made that if, that if you can get the, the, the down, you know, the people who are under Bernie and to consolidate somehow. Right. He would lose. Uh, he'd probably lose the nomination, but 
that's why you, you've, you said this before, I think in, in a couple pods ago where, you know, 2016, we had, you know, 50 freaking Republicans running and they couldn't consolidate right. their power to, to stop Donald Trump because they were all still trying to be the nominee. And then he just got so strong. It didn't matter. Um, I think, yeah. you know, we are seeing that play out when this in right. the Democratic primary for 2020. So yeah. the parallels are, are pretty, pretty uh, eerie. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's happening, happened and it happens, uh, Saturday and, and, and then the other news of the day that we wanted to talk about, which we admittedly both, um, so we don't know, a, don't know a ton about yeah. is, uh, coronavirus mania. Um, yeah. and I think we just really want to talk about not necessarily, um, uh, you know, like the nuts and bolts of it, but kind of like how it's affecting uh, America at the moment. And, mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, I think a couple of avenues are, is obviously um, people are starting to uh, have a, have a, it's going to have a, it's bearing an effect on the stock market as the market has lost 10% mm -hmm. uh, in the last, in this week. Um, yeah. And I think, uh, I think, I mean, Apple announced that it's going to affect revenue for Apple. I think you said before that, um, your nanny is, is very upset because the diet Coke supply is in peril. Um, so, <laughs> and then I think today, uh, or yesterday, the CDC said, announced that we should, we should be prepared for it to have an extended outbreak in America. Um, mm -hmm. and, it's it seems that the trump administration hasn't exactly taken um preparedness uh too seriously for this i mean right. i don't even i don't know that uh trump even i mean i think he thought it was like just like the flu or something and um <laughs> the 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 rate of um the death rate with coronavirus is I think somewhat higher than the flu. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it seems like, it seems like, you know, it's really catching on in other countries. And I think it's just a matter of time before it maybe gets here. But um, uh, again, we don't really know much about this, but it's, it's definitely on people's minds these days. Yeah. And it's, it, I was thinking just a minute ago about this, like, you know, we've been through, at least in our, our adult lives, we've seen crazy stuff like this happen. So, I mean, you know, early two thousands was the anthrax scare and I'm talking about like, you know, health risks that were impacting markets, impacting everyday life. Now anthrax of course was tied to terrorism. So that's a mm -hmm. little bit of an outlier, but you know, bird flu, swine flu, Ebola outbreaks, mm -hmm. and that's just in the last Sorry. 10 years. And I, SARS and you know I got I actually I had swine flu in 2011 um and we spent 2 days in the hospital Northwestern Hospital in Chicago um and you know obviously I'm fine but um it's funny you're right it just kind of seems like it's not being taken very seriously in in this administration now they have asked for emergency funding 100 100 150 billion dollars whatever it is and you know there's you know, pharmaceutical companies that are trying to work on a vaccine uh, under expedited process and all that. But mm -hmm. um, 
it's just yeah, it's it's really freaking the markets out. Two days in a row, the stock market, the the Dow lost uh, nine hundred points, and then today it dropped another two hundred or one hundred fifty, something like that. Um, so yeah, it's yeah. it's it's crazy how this sort of thing can really affect everyday life and financial markets, and it's it's crazy. Yeah, um, I think disaster planning. I think is is one of those things that I think is all about um, actually planning and preparing um, for a response. And I think one thing that this administration has proven that it is very uninterested in, in general, um, is planning. I mean, you saw that from the beginning, even with the transition planning. Uh, I think, I think, Trump has a theory that you know you just gut you just act act from your gut and kind of make decisions uh based on instinct and that works out for for you and it's worked out for him in his life I think for a lot of reasons um but you know that is no way to every expert would say that is no way to handle epidemic or or potential pandemic um uh, situations. So, Mm -hmm. um, we can only hope that, uh, this, you know, it's, it, we, that this doesn't turn out as bad as it could. Um, yeah, but yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll see. I I think it sounds like this is going to be around for a while. Um, yeah. So anyway, I don't know. Again, we don't know what we're talking about here. We're just kind (laughs) of, We're kind of riffing. We're riffing. Yeah. We're riffing. Well, on that note, uh, let's take a little break now uh, and hear from our sponsor, and then we'll be back with our topic of the day. Hey there, Politics and Bros listeners. Does your wallet make your friends think you pickpocketed George Costanza? Are you still hoarding old receipts, a Bernie Sanders autograph, or maybe even a Blockbuster video card in that beat-up thing you put your credit cards into? Talk to your doctor to see if Last Exit Goods are right for you. Last Exit Goods is a purveyor of minimalist leather, canvas, and outdoor goods, including wallets, bags, belts, dog accessories, and everyday carry items, all made by hand in beautiful Steamboat Springs, Colorado. Their dedication to handmade craftsmanship and using the finest American-made materials mean that their products only get better with age. Go to lastexitgoods.com to score something great for yourself or gifts for the ones in your life who are impossible to buy for. They also specialize in helping top consumer brands upscale events, and the choosiest of wedding parties create indelible memories with premium gifts and uncommon promotional swag. Now, Politics and Bros listeners can use the code BROSE, that's B-R-O-S-E, at checkout to enjoy 25% off your first order. That's right, our good friend Ryan has extended this screaming deal to you to massively upgrade your everyday carry situation. So visit lastexitgoods.com and take advantage of our exclusive Politics and Bros hookup by using the code BROSE. Last exit, minimalist goods, travel light, and travel far. And we're back. That was a nice little break. In a big way. <laughs> Who's our sponsor this week? Uh, it's still Is last this... exit goods. Oh, nice. I thought yeah, I, we're going to keep it. running with that until we get a new one. <laughs> okay. Um, I'll go out and find. So we get a better and, deal. I'll go out and bang some doors, bang on some doors and, uh, uh, see if I can get us a new one. 
Um, I, we should try and get a sponsorship from the Bloomberg campaign. I mean, the dude spent, you know, well over $400 million. So, yeah, we you could know, probably get on. like a $100,000 uh, uh, sponsorship just by plugging his, you know, plugging his campaign. So here's the interesting thing. You know, we're about to get into our, so our topic of the day is, is, is Bernie and has he won the nomination? Uh, you know, could he still lose it? And then what, what does a Bernie Sanders can it, then can he beat Trump? And then what does a Bernie Sanders presidency look like? But w- one interesting thing versus that, you know, I mentioned Bloomberg is that, you know, I've got some, obviously I still work in politics and I've got friends that are, that are, uh, that have friends that are working for Bloomberg. And what's interesting is even like, let's, even if Bernie locks this thing up, Bloomberg has paid all of his people until November. They all uh-huh. got just one, one bit. They're not getting month, you know, normally you get a monthly stipend, a, north, a monthly retainer for your political consultants, for your, uh-huh. you know, media strategists, and even for like your door knockers and, and all that. And you're, you know, the people who your volunteer coordinators and, you know, various state campaign directors and all that. And he's given all those people, all those paid positions have already been paid the full lot through oh, November. Really? Yeah. yeah. So it's not like his, it's not like if, you know, Bernie locks this up after Super Tuesday, you know, the Bloomberg he's campaign away. just shut down. Yeah. He's not going to go away. He's still going to be out there doing stuff probably. It's it's just amazing to me yeah. that he just wrote one big check for everybody to last yeah. until the, until November. I did, so, I see anyway. I think he spent like 100 million dollars so far. I th- I think I saw no, he's, like that. He 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 has spent over 400 million. 400 million. 400 million. 400 yeah. million. Uh, yeah. Most of which has of been in advertising money. of his own right. money. Most of which has been on advertising and obviously staff. Um, right. He's got campaign offices, I think in ev- almost every state uh, and staff in every state. So it's, well, it's insane. Well, let's talk about that, how it pertains to. So, so obviously Bernie is leading now in delegates for the democratic uh, nomination. Um, he's entering a couple states where he, he may not do as well as he has done through the first three, but he mm-hmm. is now the front runner. Um, I think 538 has him winning two out of five at this point. So 40% chance. Um, interestingly enough, their second most likely outcome is uh, nobody gets a, a a majority of delegates. So I mm-hmm. guess it would be a contested convention in that situation, I guess. But um yeah. What what are the you know what does Bernie have to do to um, kind of keep that front runner status over the next ten twelve fourteen days and and what what could possibly slow him down? Well, his base, I mean, his re- has remained completely consistent. Um, mm-hmm. There, he's got probably the most ardent supporters out of any candidate out there, and they're never going to leave him. They haven't left him since. 2015 honestly um, right and um they've stuck with him all through the years these first these first years of the of the trump administration to stay with him to make sure he ran this time it, really the only way he can win is if he you know he talks about how he is expanding the electorate he's running the most diverse most you know widespread campaign in history he really hasn't expanded the electorate belo- beyond what his core base is um there's been a yeah. lot of studies uh and a- analysts out there um basically saying that he really hasn't increased voter turnout the way he needs to. He hasn't mobilized the youth vote the way that he needs to, or the way that he's at least claiming to. Um, and if he doesn't do that, he's not going to, he's not going to win. 
Um, yeah, he might win the Democratic nomination, but he's not going to win against Trump. Uh, well, so yeah, so, those, I mean, if, he, if he doesn't do those things, yeah, I, it's interesting. I mean, I think we, we've alluded and you've alluded to this before. I think the parallels to 2016 are 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 kind of very very apparent, and he mm-hmm. is. I think just by virtue of like momentum and front runner status, like he is just he's overperforming in a lot of these states where if they were all held in a vacuum, he may not perform as well. And so, you know, I think as long as he kind of like continues to even slightly overperform, he's going to maintain that momentum um, throughout the through the next, uh, uh, you know, two weeks, a month. And he's going to get such a lead in delegates that um, at absent sort of some sort of consolidation of the more moderate group into maybe one or two candidates, he's just going to continue to to um, benefit from from that, uh, you know, from that um, segmentation. So yeah. I think I think he does win. At this point, I mean that would be my guess, and I'm not really—it's mm-hmm. not really that risky. But then it comes down to, um, you know, can he beat Trump? And as you were saying, he—it doesn't appear he's expanded the coalition. Um, I've seen people like Charlie Sykes say this is a, uh, you know, losing 40, 40 states type uh, nomination nominee. Um, another friend of mine said. It feels a lot like Nixon versus McGovern. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, for those who don't know, I think McGovern lost every state but uh, New York and maybe Washington, D.C. or something. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that sounds right. Yeah. And um, uh, so, so, you know, I think. And that's one reason that like, you know, the Trump campaign is really, you know, patting itself on the bat and, and encouraging Bernie. Um, but, you know, interestingly enough, uh, I kind of was thinking that that myself. But this week I saw there was polling within the last week. Within the last week, it had all of the, the Democratic candidates versus um, Trump. And in the general national election, Sanders was ahead of Trump by like plus five. And in Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania, he was beating him. Now, you know, that's obviously before the 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 RNC can run its its um you know negative campaign on Bernie and socialism and honeymooning and yeah. in the Soviet Union. But um, you know, loving on Fidel, I, loving on Fidel. I, you know, I think there is a way where he, you know, he, he might flip some skeptical Trump voters who are, you know, blue collar workers looking for change who, who may really not like Trump's, um, behavior may think it's unpresidential. He may flip some of those, um, in some of these swing states. And, uh, you know, he could, he could eke out, um, uh, you know, where he wins Pennsylvania, Michigan, and then maybe he wins, um, 
you know, Arizona or something, because it's got a, a large Hispanic population, which is um, kind of similar to Nevada, where uh, he, he did well. So, I mean, there is a path there. It's not very likely. I mean, do you, do you see any other way that he potentially does win the presidency? Or, or are you similarly um, inclined to think he just gets blown out? I mean, I, I go back and forth, but you raise a good point. I mean, this all this polling that's happening showing, you know, Democratic candidate X beating Trump, you know, across the board. It's it, you're, you're right. It's before Trump has really gone on the airwaves. I mean, he's he's doing these follow on rallies in every state where there's a, a debate. He did one in Nevada. He did one in Iowa. He did one in New Hampshire. I, I don't know. If, I don't think he did one in South Carolina. I'm sure he might be planning on going to South Carolina to have a rally, but he's not really doing. Uh, he hasn't really done any ads yet. He really, like you said, the Oppo research machine out of the RNC hasn't mm-hmm. really gotten up and running. Um, you know, I think it's going to be very interesting to see what all these, you know, one of the, if you ask a lot of Bernie supporters, the biggest appeal for Bernie is that his, he's been consistent through his entire life in the public sphere, that right. his, his positions have not changed. And we've seen the last couple of days that that's coming to bite him in the bite him in the ass. All of his things that he said about Fidel Castro, all the things he has said about China, um, you know, they're you don't praise Fidel Castro, even if it's for a liter- literacy program and expect to win Florida, where you have right. God knows how many Cubans who fled Fidel's regime because he was forcing people into labor camps and and having death squads going out and rounding up people, you know, political dissidents. And, you know, it, you just don't win Florida that way. Um, mm. So it's going to I'm 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 curious. I'm sure he's going to win, obviously, states like New York and, and California. Uh, in the general, right. um, obviously, but um, I, I just don't see at the end of the day how independence. I, I look at it as that I don't think I, I don't think independence can be can are going to be willing to trade one authoritarian for another. I do view Trump has authoritarian tendencies, and I do think Bernie has authoritarian tendencies as well. I just yeah. don't see people trading, you know, one for the other. And think that's a good choice. Either they're going to stay home, or they're going to probably just vote for Trump because they know what to expect. Um, that's just my opinion, though, right now. So that could change, uh, obviously. Well, um, I read a, an op-ed by Joe Walsh um, this week, who you know primaried or tried to primary um, Trump mm-hmm. uh, unsuccessfully. He's out of the race now, and the Republican yep. side and. And he he wrote a, a, a op-ed in the Washington Post that said, "Never Trump means actually that never Trump," because I guess, and he's he's like, "I would vote, I'm going to vote for Bernie over um, Trump," and he listed the reasons. You know, um, he's like, mm-hmm. "I would, I would trade, you know, fifteen dollar mandated minimum wage for, I would take that over, you know, a man who disrespects our constitution and." doesn't understand separation of powers, et cetera, et cetera. But his point was that like, you know, all these people who will find out who re- the real never Trumpers are, were, or are, because you yeah. know, you can't be a, you can't be a never Trumper and then be like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm maybe like most of the time, not a Trumper. Um, you know, you're either, yeah. you're either never Trumper or not. And I think there is a strong sentiment um, out there of, people who really are never Trumpers. And so um, kind of how that holds too could be indicative of, of how Bernie could perform. You know, 
I think a lot of people do see um, Trump as uh, an an existential threat to the way America runs. Um, and so, you know, let's just assume for the sake of this conversation that enough of those people do um, vote for Bernie because they see him as, you know, the lesser of two evils, uh, you know, and he does become president. Um, you know, so we'll take a moment to talk about what that would look like. And, and I've been doing, as it's become more and more likely that Bernie Sanders will be the, the nominee, I've kind of been reading more about some of these authoritarian instincts um, that, that he has that, you know, he, he is remarkably similar to Trump in, in a lot of ways. And, um, you know, I, I hate to vote, um, on, you know, kind of the lesser of two evils, uh, mentality, but that literally could be the case here. I mean, Bernie, um, I heard today he was, I was listening to a podcast about the, uh, the revelation that the Russians, um, he was briefed that the Russians want him to be the nominee of uh, yeah. the Democratic Party, and he said, "Oh well, well, why do you think that came out the the you know the day before the Nevada caucus?" He's like, oh, "Who was the source?" Oh, Washington Post. Yeah, yeah, they're 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 good guys over there, and you know that's very Trumpian, you know, kind of discrediting the media, um, and you know, authoritarian. He also would would um would legislate by executive fiat and he's made no bones about that so um you know i don't think i think one of the reasons i would be actually be okay voting for bernie sanders is because i know a lot of what he would try to do would never pass um so yeah and that's that's uh, a point i think i mean i think it's safe for uh, the cynic in me thinks people like Joe Walsh who say, you know, we're going to find out who the real never Trumpers are. They, I, I think, and it's, it might be a little bit cynical, but I think they're saying that because they know that he's not going to have a democratically controlled Senate, that he might have a Republican house again, because he could, he's going to be a drag on the ticket. You've had, you've heard, there are multiple candidates for us Senate and multiple candidates for the United States house on the democratic side who are worried about a Bernie Sanders being at the top of the ticket. In Illinois, Lauren Underwood, who she flipped a Republican district Democrat in 2018, she said he is not going to help me at all. And she said, quite frankly, no Democrat will because she represents a plus eight Republican district. So she Mm -hmm. was already operating under under a deficit to try and hold her seat. And then Mark Mm -hmm. Kelly, who's running for Senate in Arizona, has already said he's trying to distance himself from Bernie as much as he can because he knows that. Martha McSally, the sitting Republican who was appointed to the seat, uh, is going to hang Bernie around his neck all day right. long, and it's going to be a drag on his campaign. So there's a lot, you know. He it, it does give, especially for the Senate, which I thought was, you know, seventy five percent lost. Um, he does give the Republicans a much better fighting chance to hold the Senate uh, and uh, the Republicans a really good chance to take back the House. They were The Republicans were probably already going to flip back some of those seats that they lost. I, w- I don't know if they were going to flip back enough to take back control, but with Bernie at the top of the ticket, I think they could. Um, especially if he's not going to so be apologetic a- for some of the, especially if right. he's not going to be apologetic for some of the things he said in the past about, you know, 
China and, and Cuba and, and even Russia to some extent, um, since he and, did honeymoon and there. So I, I just feel like if he actually, if we're in a scenario where he does win, I think, you know, you've got to assume that, that there was enough sort of blue momentum that the households, the Senate probably stays uh, Republican. And so you've got Bernie as president. You've got a Democratic controlled House. You've got uh, a Senate that is, is you know, not going to take up um, anything like Medicare for all or, um, you know, uh, what's it, universal um, uh, child care or I, 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 you know, his platform is, is, yeah. oh, um, forgiveness of, or you student know, loan free debt. college, free college, yeah. right? And canceling student uh, I mean, loan none debt. Of, none of those things are going to get even, I mean, I, I tend to think that you won't even get something like that passed through the house, a democratically controlled house. So mm-hmm. what is he going to do? He's probably going to declare, uh, uh, a national emergency on climate change, right? Or on, on climate. Right. Um, and then he'll, he'll, he'll ban, the he'll Trump ban fracking. Mm-hmm. And he'll use, which is something, Trump which tactics. is something that if he, if he keeps talking about banning fracking, he'll lose Pennsylvania. That's thousands of jobs in Pennsylvania that will be gone well, in a second. If he, if he bans well, fracking, we're, we're talking about <laughs> a, a hypothetical where he's already in, in power. So, um, mm-hmm. um, but yes, I know that. I mean, that is a, that is a, um, uh, something that could cost in Pennsylvania. I do. It's interesting. I wonder if, you know, Bernie, that poll that had Bernie beating Trump in Wisconsin, I wonder if, you know, like Bernie is pretty pro gun. I wonder if that is something that, um, you know, Wisconsin, uh, uh citizens, are 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 taking note of because they're pretty you know they love their guns up there um but uh anyway well, so he ra- he, yeah. he ran away f- in the debate he kind of ran away from that position so he, i mean it got brought up that he voted against um the brady bill in 93 and he's taken a lot of votes to that that when he's had the opportunity in the past to vote against banning assault weapons or even waiting periods he voted against those and he's you know then he was like well those are bad votes i wouldn't do that again and he tried to deflect and say, well, now I have a D minus rating from the NRA. Um, uh, so, P- yeah, yeah, yeah the gun the gun rights activists and the Second Amendment folks are going to are going to take notice of that, uh, even if they do support him on Medicare for all or any of his other high, you know, high priorities that he wants to achieve. Um, do so you I think, think he uh, would declare yeah. a national uh, emergency on guns? Yeah, I think he probably I think he would. And, you know, Kamala Harris brought that up. I don't know what the legal what legal hook she, he would be able to to hang that on. But, um, you know, Kamala Harris said that on day one, she would um, instate gun control policies through executive order, you know, whatever those would be. Um, yeah. So I think he I think he probably could. I don't know. That hasn't been his highest priority. And like you said, it's been it's been mostly about um, DACA reinstating DACA and then halting mm-hmm. the, the border wall construction and then removing um, the limits on uh, refugees who are seeking asylum. Uh, you know, a lot of it's yeah. been immigration based, you know, the quote unquote racist policies that um, Bernie always points out from the Trump administration. Yeah. I'm I mean, not trying to, de- I'm not trying to demean, demean it. I, that he said that I was quoting Bernie that he calls them racist policies. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> For our listeners yeah, who might he, jump on me. Um, I mean, essentially, it would be a lot of similar activity as to what's going on now in this administration. Nothing would be getting done in Congress. Mm-hmm. Um, they would be looking at ways to legislate through executive order. Um, you know, I think due to what the the Trump administration's success in placing people on the bench, um, it probably wouldn't have as much success doing that um, because their you know lawsuits would would probably get upheld, um, and then you know if they had to work their way up to the Supreme Court, would probably get upheld because of the conservative um, judges. Uh, so, you know, I think it would probably be like a lighter version of Trump without sort of the tweeting and the, um, daily insults. And to me, you know, it's not my ideal way to govern, but, um, Bernie has been in government enough to know sort of how government works and why government is set up the way it is, which is better than our current president. I also think I told someone um uh this week that um to me uh you know i'm going to i'm going to support the guy who um thinks he's doing what's best for america rather than what's best for himself or his ego or his family however misguided his policies may be because i think you know that's really shouldn't be hard and it's never been an issue before for a president because i think every president before has to the most extent, um, you know, put the country first. They've wanted to do what's best for the country. Um, I don't, I can't say that necessarily for, for, for this president. Um, and yeah, but I don't, I don't uh, think I can say this. I don't think I can say the same thing for Sanders. You think he's doing it for his own ego? No, it's no, no, no. I don't think he's doing it for his own ego. I don't think I don't necessarily think he is doing this, doing what's in the best interest of the country. I think he's doing what's in the best interest of his ideology. He's an ideologue well, who does not, who well, does, who's not really known for being, you know, negotiating a, a bill or negotiating a position so that everybody, you know, gets a pound of flesh out of it. He's known for my, no, really. But- being I see what you're stuck saying, in but, what he thinks, and yeah, I just I, mean, I agree. He thinks his ideology is best for the country, and that's why he wants to implement it. Um, right, but, but yeah, 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 yeah. yeah we're but saying, no, yeah, I think we're saying he's not. He's thing. not. He's he's not a. He's not someone who is um, concerned about about compromise or no. he. You know, he's a curmudgeon, um, and. It's his way or the highway. Uh, you know, he's he's seventy nine. He's not going to change. Um, and uh, it would be it, like, I, yeah. It's just, it, it's 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 unfortunate because you know I think we're just completely getting away from the design of the American system, um, and it's it's not going to be all of a sudden. Um, you know, oh, let's compromise and and work together across the aisle to get stuff passed. Like the Republicans will dig in even more. Um, they'll, you know, it'll be us versus them. I mean, that was mm-hmm. one reason I I was hopeful that a more moderate 
Democrat could win the nomination yeah, is because I agree. we could we could they could reach across the aisle and and find uh, areas of consensus and work together and and a and a Bernie presidency um, would not be that. No, and I, you know I think there's a reason why Bernie's not telling you how he would pay for all of this stuff outside of taxing billionaires. Um, you know, because when if let's say a Medicare for all bill gets gets put on the floor in the House of Representatives and people are like, oh shit, we have got to cut defense spending by thirty percent, forty percent, whatever it is, we're gonna have to raise taxes on everybody making above one hundred fifty thousand dollars by X percent. And when you start getting into the minutia of all, and, and all the details of how these things are actually paid for, that's when you're gonna start drawing lines in the sand and people are going to start taking team, you know, picking teams and, and really kind of doing the whole us versus them thing. So Bernie's, you know, everybody, I hope people realize that billionaires taxing billionaires into non-existence doesn't pay for this stuff. There actually has to be programs cut. There has to be, you know, taxes raised. It runs the whole gamut. And for some reason, nobody's asking that question of him at all. I mean, some people say, how are you going to pay for it? And he says, oh, I, we can pay for it. I'm not going to, and he, he said this this week on with to Chris Como on CNN. I'm not going to mm-hmm. get into all the nickels and dimes about it, but we can, we're going to pay for it. Well, no, you have I mean, to get into the nickels and dimes. And, and it's the same thing in, in, with the Republicans in 2016. You have to get into the nickels and dimes. You've got to tell us how, you, how you're going to do this. Every presidential yeah, candidate needs to be held accountable. It's the one thing that I actually admire about Elizabeth Warren is that she has these detailed plans most of the time, she's telling you how they're going to pay for it. She didn't have it on Medicare for All, but she did have it for some of her other ideas. At least she had the balls to to say, you know, how she wanted to do it or what was going to take to do it. You know, Bernie doesn't have that courage because he doesn't care. He he thinks that he should put that bill on the floor and it should pass right there and then. No changes done, and whatever the consequences are, the consequences don't matter because everybody's going to have health care. Right. The end. So, and- the the. The end justifies the means, right? Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, which is we've criticized the the Trump administration for that. Yeah, um, or exactly. the, or the GOP for that. Uh, it, I will say that um, not the obfuscation from Bernie on how he'll pay for that is is at least better than um, we're going to build a wall and Mexico is going to pay for it, which was uh, just that's you know, true. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I agree, uh, and that's a, fair. A and that's fair. Taste lie. That's um, that's totally fair, but I, I think you know having a guy who's had a hard on for a socialist utopia for the past forty five years becoming president that scares the shit out of me, only because it's it, like I said he's an ideologue he's he and which is a ap- absolute opposite of Trump Trump's not an ideologue he just does yeah. what he thinks is popular so it's this weird nationalist versus populist but kind of all screwed up and mishmashed together that we're seeing between these two guys. And yeah, we're going to have to have people who are going to stand there and make a choice like which one is better over the other when in reality, neither of them are good. Um, right. And once again, our process, you know, I hate to say this, our process failed us on the democratic side because we could have nominated, it didn't have to be Joe Biden, but it could have been somebody even, you know, Kamala Harris or Amy mm-hmm. Klobuchar or Pete Buttigieg, people who probably would have absolutely worked across the aisle healed wounds, not scratch them open again, because I think Bernie right. Sanders, he doesn't care. He will scratch them open again because like we said, the ends justify the means. Yeah, I I agree. I I, I just, and again, I think I rarely um, look at things as like, I usually can find the good in, in, you know, 
candidates and I like to think of people um you know the best of people uh but this would it would it would be um a kind of lesser of two evils uh for me and I think you know when you when you when you get to down to it it's you know I think his his agenda would be severely um uh neutered because of probably the dynamics of Congress and the courts. And I think, you know, he's probably just overall a nicer person than Trump. Um, uh, and so, you know, those are kind of the factors that just barely make it a little bit more tolerable. Um, mm. And, you know, but I, I agree with you that like, it's, it's not going to make things uh, much better for the nation. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I think I agree with pretty much everything except for him being a nicer person. But um, I think Bernie doesn't like people. I think that's just part of his personality. Um, I don't think he necessarily really cares about people. I think he's just going for the thing that he's been chasing for forty years, and that's well. If he didn't care about people, he wouldn't have this this uh, you know these these socialist utopian ideas. Uh, well, no, I don't. I su- I suppose, but I mean, like, there's been like a, there's Trump, been people... Trump lacks empathy. I don't think Bernie lacks empathy. I think he actually probably has too much of it. He just is able to justify his behavior as, um, a, you know, fighting for this greater goal, this greater greater social good. I just don't think Trump in general has any empathy for anybody, but you know, his closest allies and, and himself and his family. And, you know, I don't think you can be a good governor with it without empathy. Yeah. I, I have a hard, so, I, I actually, I, I totally agree on the Trump front. I just find it hard to, to find, to, to find empathy in Bernie, a guy who praises Fidel Castro and Mao. It's like, I can't, I can't do it. Like, I just okay. can't. I, I mean, I'm not saying we can. You know, we can disagree, why, Pete. This is why I believe we need, you know, a strong three, a third party or fourth party or something system. You know, I'm. I can't vote. Yeah, you know, I can't vote for Trump in 2020. He he lost my vote a long time ago, and I certainly can't vote for Bernie Sanders. So I'm still praying that we that somebody pulls it out and we have a different nominee for the Democratic uh, for the Democratic uh, nomination. Um, I'm even coming around on Elizabeth Warren at this point not happy about it but you know i at least i could i could handle her a little bit more mm-hmm. um but if not i'm gonna i'm just gonna pull pull the lever for whatever third party candidates out there you know green party libertarian party or whatever it is um you can write I in just, ryan mayo uh i i will write in ryan mayo actually. write in That's last exit idea. goods <laughs> <laughs> um oh my god well i think Based on our conversation, you can say neither of us are optimistic about uh, a Bernie. We don't feel the burn. Um, no. I know. But, yeah. Uh, but I, I think, yeah. The thing is, is that there have been front runners in, in uh, you know, primaries and not, or the nomination cycle a lot of the times that. Are ahead at this point that that don't end up winning 
And so, you know, there's still things can happen. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I think we'll see how things go maybe, after Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if Biden overperforms, you know, people realize, I think a, a lot people could realize that like, you know, they may not, they may be a Klobuchar or a um, Buttigieg. Um, they like them a lot, but they may, I think some people are calculating enough to be like, look, I got to vote for Biden because he's the only chance that, we have at this point to keep Bernie yeah. from winning the nomination. So we'll see, you know, see what happens. We'll see. It's why it's fun. It's like sports. It's why they play the game. <laughs> Precisely. Yeah. Um, anyway. All right. All well, right. that was fun. Yeah. So, so uh, next segment that we always do is uh, what we're into. Do you have anything you're into this week? Um, I do. Uh, and I, I'll, I'll, I'll be real quick. Um, I am a big fan of Chuck Klosterman. I've read several of his books. Yeah. Um, I listen to him pretty much every time he's on with Bill Simmons on the Ringer podcast. Um, I'm actually currently reading uh, his book called What If We're Wrong? What If We Were All Wrong? But um, he has a new music podcast on the mm. Ringer. It's, it's exclusive to Spotify because, you know, Spotify just bought the Ringer. Um, and it's called Music Exists. And it asks all these fun questions about music, like um, uh, is, does, can music remind you of a place? Or mm-hmm. um, why do you go see live music? And they, right. just, it's, they just take these topics. It's him and Chris Ryan, who I think is on the Rewatchables. Um, which yeah, is he is. The, yeah, yeah. Um, they, it's them just talking about music for like 30, 45 minutes. And kind of just awesome. not specific music. But just like topics around music, about like the experience of music. So, um, as a music fan, I know you are. You you might want to check it out. Um, I will. So that's what I'm into this week. Yeah. Nice. What about you? Uh, I'm into baseball, spring training. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, I, I was talking with somebody. I I don't watch I don't watch a lot of baseball on TV until probably after after the All Star break. Um, but I do like I do enjoy going to the games in the springtime. Um, I'm excited mm-hmm. for my my hometown Atlanta Braves. Um, assuming that we can find a third baseman, um, but um, I'm looking forward to the season. Something just sports in general. I'm not a big NBA guy. Um, I'm not. I used to be a big college basketball fan, but I'm not. I haven't been in recent years, so I'm excited to have baseball back and something to do until football season kicks back in. Um, but go Braves! Hoping they're going to have a good season. Um, hoping they're going to come through Chicago so I can go see them play at Wrigley, which I love doing. I love going to see any game at Wrigley, quite, well, I, quite frankly. But I, I don't know much, but I can guarantee you they will come through Chicago. Yes. So, yes, you can go see them. Um, so, yeah, who they lost Josh Donaldson, right? So they did. He, he end up. He ended up in Minnesota. You know? Okay. Yeah, and right. I think there was talks was, about trading trading for Chris Bryant um, once he got through all of his ar- arbitration drama with the Cubs, but uh, that fell through. So right now they're kind of platooning at third base with uh, Austin Riley and one other guy who they signed in the offseason. I'm blanking on, but um, you know I think uh, cool. Cole, Cole Hamels got signed to the to for the rotation for the pitching rotation. Who's but he's already oh, nice. uh, he's nursing kind of a sore shoulder right now, so he hasn't been at spring training. Well, he just got to spring spring training. He was rehabbing in, at his home in Dallas, but uh, so he'll be a good you know middle middle starter, you know third or fourth starter. Um, well, so I'm excited. Well, stay tuned to the podcast for 
Nationals versus Braves fight as the Damn as the pod right. goes. That's right. Um, so the Nationals now have as many championships as the Braves. Isn't that isn't that wonderful? <laughs> um, start the smack talk. Oh yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, that's for that's for you, Naz, Andrew Nazneski, if you're still listening. Um, yeah. So cool. Spring training. Spring's around the corner. Although it's snowing yep. here in Chicago, but yeah, yep. it, I do like spring training. So that's cool. Um. All right. Well, it's late. We should probably go to bed. Thanks for listening, yep. everybody. And we're going to head to yep. the casino. Good night. Good night, man. 